Well, we're not quite at Sukkot yet. We're not even quite to Yom Kippur yet. Uh, that starts again um, on Sunday evening, goes in, going in the, through Monday evening. Uh, the, the time that we are in right now is in what's called the 10 days of awe. The 10 days of awe, that is the, the 10 days between Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Okay, so last Shabbat we had Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, and we are in that 10 days in between now. And the Shabbat, the, the Shabbat that occurs in that 10 days is called Shabbat Shuva, which is the Sabbath of the return. So that's today, is Shabbat Shuva. And um, as a way of introduction, I uh, just want to go over um, something I shared with you, I don't know, last year or two years ago, I think, um, about the idea of shuva, or the, the, these words um, that the Tanakh uses about uh, returning to God, or about rep- this idea of repentance. And, and, and there's two words in the Tanakh. Um, the words are shuv and nacham. Okay, shuv and nacham. Nacham is a, a, a word that means like to sigh or to be sorry, um, to have pity, to pity or to console. All right, um, this this would be uh, like in Genesis six six, um, where it says God, and it uses a form of the word nacham. He relents or is sorry for his decision to make man on the earth. It grieved him, right, for his decision to make man on the earth. And that's where we see an example of the word nacham used. And uh, the the other word that I mentioned is shuv. And this is where we get to shuva from, um, to turn back. Um, An example of this would be in like 1 Kings 8, uh, where it talks about turning one's heart and confessing perverseness and wickedness. Okay. So they would use the word shuv, or coming back to the idea of teshuva, um, which is when we return to God. A person does teshuva, they are returning to God. Now, for some of you, this word teshuva, this is a Hebrew word, might not be as familiar to you. You might be used to this idea of repentance. Okay? And you in, in, in a way, they are equivalent, but in a way, they're not, okay? Um, repentance uh, comes from a Latin root, which means regret, okay? Um, I think that I like the word teshuva better than I like repentance. I don't care which one you use. Um, I like teshuva better because I feel like teshuva is more holistic in its meaning because it encompasses what repentance means, but it means a whole lot more than just repentance, okay? Um, teshuva, in traditional Judaism, has five parts to it. It has, and, and repentance is one of them, or this idea of regret is one of them. The first part, though, is, is recognizing your own sin. So this is like you go to AA and you're like, I have a problem, all right? Um, I, I, I sin in this way, okay? You recognize your sin. You have remorse about it or regret about your sin. That's step two. There's a five-step process. Um, step three is you stop doing it. Okay? You're sorry about it. How many, how many of you guys have ever done this? Maybe and this happens in habitual or addictive sins where you're like, you're sorry about it, but then you keep doing it. 
right? Well, step three in Teshuvah is you stop doing it. You come to a stop, and you tell God about it. That's step four, is you confess. God, this is what I've been doing. And you might need to not just tell God about it. James tells us that we, tell, we confess it to our brothers, too. Sometimes we need to do that for accountability purposes to our sisters. We need to confess our sin. That's step four. And then at number five, step five is making restitution. Sometimes we need to make restitution for our sin. I'm not saying we do that all the time. And, and we can't ever pay back God for sure. Right? But this is with other people. We, need, we may need to make restitution with other people for our sins. So that's, it's, uh, that's why I like teshuva, because there's more to it. It's more holistic than this idea of repentance. But if you want to use repentance and you mean teshuva, and they're fairly interchangeable to you, cool. We're cool with that. Okay? Um, you don't have to try and use these fancy Hebrew words and, and think that uh, that's the way it has to be. Okay? We repent together. Um, we, we return to the Lord on Shabbat Shuvah. Um, so, some examples in Scripture of Teshuvah. Let's talk about this. When do we see this happening? Uh, when do we see um, people returning to the Lord? Or even leaders that are, um, that are maybe interceding uh, for others and, and returning them to the Lord. Uh, one example it is uh, in Exodus 32:31. In Exodus 32:31, we're we're right after the golden calf incident. So if you remember the golden calf, right? Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days, speaking with the Lord. The people are like, we don't know what happened to this guy. And so Aaron said, get, your, get together your jewelry. They melted it and crafted a golden calf. And he said, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt, and they're going to worship it. And they, all sorts of perversity came out of that event. Um, Moses came back down the mountain, and then it says, and he saw it, and they took action about it, right? But then Moses made teshuva. He returned to the Lord on behalf of the people in, in Exodus 32 to 31. And he confessed their sin for what they were doing. He was interceding. He was doing teshuva on behalf of others. Sometimes we need to do that. We're going to, and we're going to talk more about that on, uh, on Yom Kippur, this idea of intercession. Um, another one of, of intercession, teshuva, intercessory teshuva, is Job 1.5. Job chapter 1 verse 5 says, Perhaps when, when, when uh, Job's children would have banquets, after they were done, he would, it says, that Job says, Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus Job did every day. He made teshuva for his kids on behalf of them. He interceded for them on their behalf every day. In his righteous, righteousness, he did that. Um, so there's a couple of examples. Uh, where do we get the, the steps of Teshuva, though? That's, if you go with me to Numbers chapter 5. Go with me to Numbers chapter 5. This is the idea of you know, where we get these steps of Teshuva that are in the Torah. 
If you go to Numbers 5, chapter 5, or chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Say to B'nai Israel, or the children of Israel, whenever a man or a woman commits any sins against any person, thus breaking faith with Adonai, that soul bears guilt. Okay, so that's the start of it. Okay, this is so it's pretty all-encompassing. If you're a man, or if you're a woman, okay, so far I think we've got it, got covered everybody, right? And we commit any sin against anyone, so I think we're, I think we're doing good here. There's nobody excluded for anything you do wrong. It says you've broken faith without an eye, with the Lord, and you bear guilt, Okay? And so you've got to recognize that sin. And then in verse 7 it says, that person is to what? Confess the sin he has committed and make full restitution for his wrong. And in this case it says, add one-fifth to it and give it to the one he wronged. See, that's just a, a guidance on making restitution. Not, you don't just make equal, you make it better. You do one better for them because you wrong them. So that's where the Torah says, talks about teshuva. Now, what if you are maybe in a place where you don't want to make teshuva? Maybe your heart's in that, in that spirit of rebellion, that spirit of, you know, you're not, you're not there. I want to speak to that a little bit. Um, go with me to the other end of your Bible, to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. Of course, this is uh, future talking and about the, the judgments, the wrath of God in Revelation 16. In verse 9, it says, People were scorched with fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, the one who has power over these plagues, but they did not repent to give him glory. And the idea, again, is teshuva. They did not make teshuva. Um, so here's, here's my, my link here. Those who fail to make teshuva or repent actually curse the name of God. You, you think about that. Those who fail to make teshuva, those who fail to repent, actually are cursing the name of God. We, we need to be a people, then, who make teshuva, who are giving God the glory he is due. His love is far better than life. He is the one who is glorified, and we need to come back to him and give him the glory that he is due. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to dive a little bit more into teshuva. Two ways that we are called to make teshuva. Okay? Two ways. Uh, I'm not going to spend hardly any time on the first one. I'm going to spend most of our time on the second one. The first way we are called to teshuva is for ourselves. Okay, this is the most obvious one, for ourselves. Um, Luke 5.32, um, Yeshua is eating with Levi, or Matthew, the tax collector, who would later be his disciple, and the Pharisees say, why would you eat with those people? Why? Why would you eat with those people? And he says, I did not come to call the righteous, but to... For the sinful to come to what? Repentance, right? 
for the sinful to come to repentance. So Yeshua was calling Levi or Matthew to, for himself to come to repentance. He, and God calls us individually for ourselves to come to repentance. Okay? I told you I wasn't going to spend much time on the first one. That's it. Okay, that's all you got. Um, <laughs> the second one, though, is that we bring each other to Yeshua, to Teshuva, okay? This is the way we are called to Teshuva, is to bring each other to Teshuva, okay? So Yeshua was actually doing that. He was bringing Levi, or Matthew, to Teshuva. Okay? This is what we are called to do, to bring each other. And now, I will first say, this is something we have to be very careful as we do this, bringing each other to Teshuva. We have to be really careful to be gentle, in doing this, because it can be done wrong easily. How many of you guys enjoy it when someone comes to you and points out your faults to you? Fun experience, right? Not so much. So we have to be gentle about this, bringing someone to teshuva, to repentance. Oh, it can easily be done wrong. But here, an encouragement and, and we're going to get to this later because of, of where he brings us from. David Stern in the Jewish New Testament commentary, um, he, he writes, Causing a brother to turn from sin is the greatest form of healing since it saves him from spiritual death. Causing a brother to turn from sin is the greatest form of healing. And now we've been talking about healing lately. The greatest form of healing, causing a brother to turn from sin, is the greatest form of healing because it saves him from spiritual death. And we're gonna, we'll talk more about that later, where we get that from, um, here in a little bit. But um, that comes actually from James chapter 5. If you want to go there, we'll, we'll read that in James 5. But it is, it is a way also of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Okay, If you love yourself enough to repent, to be a person of repentance... We are also called to love others enough to bring them to repentance. Okay? This is a way of loving your neighbor as yourself. Okay? It's not always about giving to one another, but about bringing them back to the Lord. Okay, all right. That's what I got there. Go to James 5, and we're going to keep, keep diving into this. James 5, 19 and 20. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I read in James, and uh, I stopped in verse 18. I gave this example of healing and praying for, praying for healing. If, if we keep going, this is the very end of the book of James, or Jacob. Um, it says, My brothers and sisters, if, anyone, if any among you strays from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Okay, so this is where David Stern's comment came from. My brothers and sisters, if anyone of you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So I want to I kind of break this apart. We're going to do a little bit of exegesis here and just kind of look at each of the, the words and, and, and what this, try and pull out what this is saying. So... The first one I want us to recognize is that 
he says, my brothers and sisters. Okay, who's he talking to? Yes, the people who already are following Yeshua. Okay, that's who he's talking to. People who already know the Lord. So this is people in your congregation. Now, if it's people in your congregation, who is it not? People who don't know the Lord. This is not talking about your unbelieving neighbor. Okay? This is talking about people who are in your congregation. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you is, this is people you know in the body of Messiah who he's talking to. Okay? These are people who have already turned to Yeshua. They've already, and they've, they've turned to Yeshua. They're following Yeshua, but they have tripped, stumbled, whatever you want to call it, strayed into sin. Okay? That's who we're talking about here. And so that's the first part. Then it says, what he says is, if any among you strays, okay, um, straying is, is an, an interesting idea because, and other versions might say wandered. How many of you say wandered in your Bible? If any of you has wandered from the truth. Yeah, that's what Cohen says, his, and Les says, it says wandered. Straying or wandering it can be accidental, or it can be on purpose. Sometimes you, you are wandering on purpose. Uh, Tolkien, in Lord of the Rings, famously says, not all who wander are lost, right? Uh, some people go there on purpose. They deviate on purpose. They're not following the path on purpose. Um, but some people are doing this accidentally. Uh, and this is, this is true for us, okay? Um, and and I'll, I will tell you that uh, straying has become easier, I think, in our day and age. There's more ways to stray than there used to be um, because we have so many options at our fingertips for, for things to do. It's just accessible. We don't have to try very hard to stray. How many of you have, have spent any amount of time on on a social media app and found yourself straying and looking at things that you wouldn't normally look at after a period of time. You weren't trying to, but you went there because they've got some crazy algorithms that lead you there. Um, TikTok is like, that's the whole point behind TikTok, okay, is to help you stray into something different. Um, I'm not saying like, you should never use TikTok. I, I don't have like a personal beef with it, even though I don't use it. But um, point being is that it makes it really easy for us to wander, okay? Um, and sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's accidental. But we do. We wander. What do we wander from? What does it say? So we wander from the truth. Okay. What's the truth? What truth is he talking about? Yeshua. He's talking about the truth of the gospel of our Messiah. Okay, um, that's what he's that's what he's talking about. So, what does it mean then to wander from the truth of the gospel? That's what we should be asking. What does that mean for us? Okay, I would say there's there's a couple ways that we can wander from the truth of the gospel. Um, one is in our behavioral response to the gospel. So our behavior is not right. Uh, Galatians two fourteen says, "But when I saw there." 
conduct was not step with the truth of the gospel. He falls right in there, and um, he's talking about Peter there, but someone who believes clearly he was an apostle, but his conduct was not not in step with the truth of the gospel. He was not behaving appropriately. Sometimes our our lifestyle, our behavior, is out of sync. Okay, that's how we wander. One is behavior. Another one is what we believe, right? Our, our doctrinal beliefs stray. We become heretical in our beliefs, okay? So that's another way to stray from the truth. We may become sinning in what we're leading other people in believing, too, because we're sharing something that is not according to the gospel of our Messiah, Yeshua, Okay, so we may have doctrinal, errant, errant doctrinal beliefs, or we may have strain in our behavior, but we stray from the truth of the gospel in those ways. Okay, so that's, that's the uh, third point there. So we're, it's people in our congregation, right? They've wandered accidentally or on purpose, and they're straying from the truth is the truth of the gospel, and it can be their behavior or their beliefs system, Okay. So now we get to the, to the good part here, okay? It says, if anyone among you strays from the truth, and then what? And then someone turns him back. So this is the part about helping others make teshuva. Someone turns him back. So again, who's he talking to? When he says someone, who's he talking about? Anyone in your congregation, in, your, in the body of Messiah, right? That's any fellow believer. Now, it's, so that means it's not just my job. It is my job as an elder, as a shepherd, to go after lost sheep, yes. But it's not just my job. Okay? You are someone. You are included in the someone in James 5, 19. Okay? It's your job, and it's my job, to bring a person back. Yet God is our great shepherd, and he uses you, he uses all of us, each one of us, to bring other people back. You have a question? is talking about, if you didn't hear him, he's talking about degrees of wandering. Maybe you can think about the severity of wandering as well. Um, how far off the track are you? How far have you really come off the rails or are you just, you know, you're starting to teeter a little bit? It's a lot easier to pull somebody back when they're real close, right? Than it is when they are on the precipice of death, like literally on the deathbed. Like, that's a lot harder to pull somebody back from a lot easier for us to go through and this and this is why we need community this is why we need to be in relationship with each other because 
you don't know when somebody's going off the rails or teetering at all if you're not in relationship and communion. You're just living independently and floating along in your life. You've got to be in community with people. This is why we have fellowship, to bring each other back, to keep each other on track, to encourage one another as the day grows nearer. This is why we continue to meet together. And it's not enough to show up here and sit in these pews and not talk to anybody because that's not community, okay? I can talk to you all day long and we're not in relationship. That's just one way, okay? You've got to be with other believers, spending time letting people get to know you. That means we're vulnerable with each other too. Um, just, it's scary because sometimes you guys have been burned. Sometimes you guys have really been hurt by this too, yeah, it's got to be outside. It's not just here for a couple hours. It's outside. It's during the week. Yes, amen, amen, amen. I'm just, I'll be done now, right? There. That's all you need to know. No, what do we need to know? It says, in, in verse 20, it says, someone turns it back, and it says, let him know. Okay? So again, this is the someone he's talking about, the someone. Let him know. There's actually two ways to think about this. It could be talking about the someone who's doing the turning back. It also could be letting you know that if you stray from sin, you just need to know this, what's happening here. Okay? So it could be the person who's straying in sin um, that they need to know this also. But I kind of think it's mostly talking about the person who's doing the rescuing here. Um, what do we need to know? We need to know that it says that when you do this, you save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This is really important. So this is the encouragement. James, or Jacob, the brother of Yeshua, he's ending his book and with a, a word of encouragement. This is a good thing for you to do. You, you need to know how important this is. So be encouraged to go after those who are wandering. Don't be afraid. Sometimes we're afraid to step in to people's lives. Like, well, you know, you know, everybody's their own person. I don't want to cause ripples. I don't want to, I don't want to be the one who's, you know, getting in somebody else's business. I have been guilty of that, okay? I have definitely been guilty of like saying, well, I don't want to get in their business. That's that's just between them and, and, and the other person, or between them and God. Okay? Sometimes we gotta get in each other's business to get help each other get back right with the Lord. And we need to do that. But there's, there's discernment in this, okay? There's, it's not, I don't, everybody does not need to be in everybody's business all the time, okay? There's, there's certainly discernment here about how we do this and recognizing sin and, and as Les said, the severity or the degree of sin and when, when this needs to happen. But it does say that in the, next, in the next part of the sentence, it says, let him know that the one who turns a sinner, okay, from the error of his way, so, which is interesting to me because, um, you know, sometimes we don't, we, we don't think of ourselves as, as being sinners if we've already come to know the Lord, come to know Yeshua. Um, but, but the Spirit here is saying that that you can still be a sinner, okay? Um, and this is not this is not to say that sin being a sinner is your identity, okay? Far from it. Sinning is not our identity. Um, but 
if we if we think of ourselves as being incapable of being a sinner, we are just a saint who sins, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> we can be a sinner still. Um, under the, the, the blood of the Lord, somebody has to bring us back so that we're no longer in sin, okay? That's the important part here. They have to bring us back so that we're no longer in sin. Now, and, and this then gets to the final point. What is at stake here? What's at stake here is we're saving a soul from death. We're saving someone from death. And, and not only that, but it says it covers, we cover a multitude of sins. How does that happen? What does that mean? If we bring someone back, they've wandered from the truth of the gospel, and we bring them back into the truth of the gospel, that's how we save them from sin. Because the gospel is where the salvation from sin comes from. And, and this is a multitude of sins, because chances are, if you're off track in one area, you're going to multiply those sins. It's not just going to be a singular incident. It's going to be a multiplication. So you're saving from multiple sins. And I will tell you that outside of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, there is no covering for sins. There's no covering. There's no saving of the soul outside of the gospel of our Messiah Yeshua. You cannot work around that. You can't do it on your own. It's only through Jesus, only through our Messiah. So we have to be people, in this case, who are saving people from death. The opposite of death is what? Life. We're bringing them back into life. Okay, so this is like the ultimate pro-life stance right here. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33, um, starting in verse 14. It says, When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, yet he turns from his sin and he does what is just and right. If the wicked restores a pledge, gives back to what he had taken by robbery, walks in the laws of life, committing no iniquity, he will surely live. He will not die. None of the sins that he has committed will be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He will surely live. Ezekiel 33, 14 through 16. So if we are pro-life, if you say you're pro-life, we want life, not death. Being pro-life means being pro-teshuva. It means bringing people back from sin. Helping them come back from sin. You had a question? Amen. Amen. Yep. If you didn't hear Alan, he, he said sometimes it's, it's your testimony. That's a, a way of being gentle in bringing back someone and turning them to Teshuva is sharing your testimony about what God did for you in a certain way, and they can see the same thing in their eyes. That's a gentle way. Yes, I love that. And powerful, because how powerful is, your, is the testimony of transformation that God has done in your life, right? Amen. Thank you for that, Alan. Appreciate that. 
So we want to be pro-life about this. I'm going to go back to that. Um, we need to be willing to help a brother and sister walk out of their sin, away from the judgment of God. Okay, that's, that's us being pro-life. Okay, we are pro-life when we are helping them walk away from that sentence of death because that's what their sin is leading them to. Okay, now... We, we're not yet in that time of Revelation that we read earlier. We're not yet there. We're not yet to the end of Revelation where there's a perfected kingdom. Okay, we're in this not yet. We're, we're partially there. It's a partially fulfilled kingdom. It's part, we're, we're, we're still in this period where we, we have some sickness, right? We have some sin. We are not yet perfected, okay? The kingdom of God yet is not yet perfected. Someday we will be perfected. Someday it will happen. We're not there yet. But today, we have a lack of perfection. We have no guarantees of health. We have no guarantees of physical, mental, or emotional healing, or even walking perfectly in sinlessness right now. Okay? But again, this is where I'm going to go back to the importance of community and being pro-life, is that when you are in covenant community with each other, this means you're with people who are going to bring you back. And that is so, so, so critically important. Okay? Now, I want to I talk about the benefit of teshuva, okay? Just for a few minutes. The benefits of teshuva. Um, because not only does teshuva or repentance lead you away from God's judgment, but it also prepares the way for God's kingdom to be opened. And God's kingdom is always a blessing, Teshuva lead you away from God's judgment and towards his kingdom. It prepares the way for the kingdom. This is why John the Immerser was preaching repentance. His message was a message of repentance. He was preparing the way for the kingdom. Turn away from your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's what Yeshua began proclaiming. That was his first message. Matthew 4.17 he proclaimed, turn away from your sin, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's proclaiming repentance, proclaiming teshuva, and opening the way for the kingdom. Okay? Here's the flip side of that. We should not expect kingdom expansion. We should not expect God's kingdom to be growing globally or locally if we are not advocating teshuva. If we are not acting upon that in our own lives, being a repentant people and leading people into repentance. We shouldn't expect the kingdom to be expanding also. They go hand in hand. They are, they are completely tied together. Repentance leads to the expansion of God's kingdom. It prepares the way for the kingdom. Okay? And it leads to a blessing too. Second Chronicles 7.14. A lot of people love this one because it contains a great promise. When my people over whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Right? A lot of people love that verse and proclaim that verse. Of course, it was spoken to ancient Israel in that time. But I do believe that God is a God who is consistent in his character and he will uphold that. He will heal his people who are covered by the blood of Yeshua, who have come back to know him. He will forgive their sin. He will heal their land as the people in mass come together and come to know 
and repent to him. Okay? So this is, but this is not just a, re, a call for repentance inside the body. I've been talking about James chapter 5 here and calling us to come back, those who have wandered, those who have strayed. But God calls all people to Teshuvah. All people. This is for everybody. Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18.23 says, Do I delight in the death of the wicked? It's a declaration of Adonai. Rather, should he not return from his ways and live? He's this is for all people. Every single person. Every person that's easy to dislike. Every person that's sinned against you. Every person that's committed severe levels of evil. Like, severe, severe, severe. The worst you can think of. Those people are still called to teshuva. And God can still redeem them. No one is beyond the reach of the Lord. Okay, so we need to remember that, that he calls all, all people, every person. And we all know people in our lives who are at different levels and needing teshuva, including ourselves. Hopefully we know ourselves and where we need to make teshuva as well. In this process, I want to remind us that we need to aim to have God's patience. Sometimes we're like, seriously, like, you don't see what you're doing, and you're not going to, I mean, when are you going to figure this out? When are you going to see the light, right? When are you going to turn yourself around? And, and it's not always that easy for every person, okay? Uh, it can be frustrating for us, but 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he is patient towards who? Towards you. He's patient towards you, not wanting any person to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He is patient. He's being patient with people to come back to him. And we, we need to pray to have the Lord's patience as well, okay? Uh, we don't want to see sin prolonged, certainly, okay? None of us want, want that, but we just have to remember that it's not necessarily going to be on our timeline, okay? My timeline is like this long, um, <laughs> I just want to see, if I see somebody in sin, I'm like, come on, like, let's turn around right now. And, and it's, not, it's not always that fast, okay? Um, it, it, you know, we need to be committed on waiting on the Lord, seeking him, and being patient, just as God is patient with us. He's, he was patient with you before you ultimately made a turn. Let's be patient with others. Let's, let's walk, continue to walk with them and love them back to the Lord, Okay? Sometimes, though, we have to remember, too, that God helps us make teshuva, okay? He helps us along the way. How? By making things painful for us. Um, he disciplines us. He corrects us. Hosea 6.1 says, Come, let us return to Adonai, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He is smitten, but he will bind us up. Sometimes God tears things away from us. He has to tear loose strongholds that are in our lives. He has to, he has to smite things that, that should not be there and get rid of them in our lives. And it doesn't always feel good. Correction is not always gentle. Sometimes we wouldn't, we wouldn't get it if it was just really gentle, you know, Sometimes we need a quick 
you know, a swift kick in the pants <laughs> to get the point. I have needed that in my life before. Um, he has, God does that to us sometimes. Corrections can hurt, but we have to know that there's healing on the other side. That's the important part, that there's healing on the other side. When we return to Adonai, praise the Lord. He is the ultimate healer. He's the one who heals those wounds in your life. Um, and sometimes our wounds go really deep when we have those strongholds in our lives, and they go really deep. And sometimes it's not even your fault. Those strongholds are in your life. Those woundings are in your life, and it's not even your fault. Somebody did something else to you, right? And, you, and you're still stuck in a cycle that you need to then make teshuva and come back to God, and he's trying to bring you back. He's got to tear some painful strongholds out, and we need to, we need to allow that to happen in our lives. Okay, a couple other reminders before we're done today. Um, the act of teshuva is, is both singular and multiple. Okay? Teshuva is both singular and multiple. Okay? We, we do teshuva, yes, as we come to the Lord that first time, but it's not the only time we make teshuva. It's not the only time we return to the Lord because you're probably going to sin again at some point in your life. Okay? So, we are making a lifetime of teshuva when we are coming back to the Lord. We come back once, yes, to him, but then we make a lifetime of coming back to him because we are being conformed into the image of Messiah. And we don't always get it right, you know, that very first day that we are immersed and we're saved and we're walking in that newness of life and then we trip and fall again because we're not quite there yet. We're not quite in that image of Messiah. Um, and I want to also kind of shift gears a little bit and think about this idea of why someone would want to make teshuva, maybe someone who's never made teshuva before, who's never come back to the Lord. I want us to have this in our mind as we're thinking about and we're praying for our brother, praying for someone who may not know the Lord at all. Okay, why would they want to come back? Um, one of the things that the reasons is because we know that we have a God who's a God of kindness, right? Um, how many of you have experienced the kindness of God in your life, right? This is the testimony that Alan's saying, okay? God has done so much for me. How, do, you, do you not want that too? This is what God has done for me. And sometimes that's going to make them be introspective and think about something that's going to produce godly grief. And godly grief is a good thing. It's a really good thing. That's what leads to repentance. But what leads to godly grief? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Romans chapter 10. Go with me there. You know these. You've heard them preached before probably. How then... Starting at verse 14 of Romans 10, How then shall they call on the one whom they have not trusted? Of how shall they trust in the one of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without someone proclaiming? And how shall they proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news of good things. But not all heeded the good news, for Isaiah says, Adonai, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Messiah. 
That's the truth of the gospel leads to godly grief, leading to repentance. This is the testimony accompanied with the truth of the gospel that you have inside of you. You have this. If you are a follower, a believer of Yeshua, in Yeshua, you have this inside of you. But here's the reality. If you go back in Romans to chapter 2, Verse 5, it says, but by your hard and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. He will pay back each person according to his deeds. And that's the reality. We're storing up wrath. An unrepentant, a hard and unrepentant heart is storing up wrath for the day of judgment. God will pay back each person according to his deeds. Sin will be accounted for. Sin will be judged. Everything that we try to hide, and we think, oh, you know, nobody will notice. Just brush it away and move along. Sin that we try and hide, it will be judged. It will come to light. It will be accounted for. You are storing up wrath for yourself when you are an unrepentant heart. This is tied again to Revelation. This is where you're cursing the name of God. But God calls everyone to make teshuva. This is my plea for you today. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous one his thoughts and let him return to Adonai so that he may have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon abundantly pardon. I love that that promise. He will our God is a God of abundant pardoning. But we have to confess the name of Yeshua as the one to whom we make teshuva. Okay? There is again, there is no path to teshuva, to true teshuva outside of that. There is no forgiveness outside of Yeshua. Jesus our Messiah, he is the one that we have to make teshuva with. Now, you might hear some noise in the background here. The water, the bubbling of the water in the background. There, there's a link between teshuva and immersion, baptism. Um, at, at its most basic level, they're, they're linked to forgiveness and the cleansing from sin. right? And we, we probably automatically may think of Acts 2.38 that says, when Peter says, repent and let each of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua for the removal of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So when we join in immersion, we're joining in that death and that burial, that resurrection of our Messiah. And it's there that we die to ourselves so that we can live again. This is that pro-life thing I was talking about. We're dying to ourselves so that we can live. We are making teshuva. We are saying, I want to have life in you, Lord. And I'm proclaiming that publicly I'm going to be immersed in water in this way, representing that death, burial, and resurrection. So we have that open today. I'm, I'm not exactly dressed to go in there, but I'll go in there with you. I'll go in there. We'll, we will immerse you today. Uh, if, if the Lord is calling you to that, and some of you may need that today, to, to return to the Lord, to be immersed in his name.
If you haven't, I am pleading with you. If you've never done that, certainly we can take that step today. Sometimes people have wandered straight to the degree that they, they may feel like they need to be reimmersed. I'll go with that if you want to do that. Um, I don't know if it's necessary, but I'll go with that. I will, I'm happy to, to reimmerse and bring you fully back into Messiah Yeshua. It's not just getting wet, though. Anybody can go get wet. Um, we, we're, we're about the heart change that is accompanying that. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now, and you know you have that, and your heart's beating, you're like, boom, boom, and you feel that in your heart, you're like, maybe I need to do that today. Maybe the Holy Spirit is, is telling you that you need to do this, okay? That you need to come back to Him today. That you need to go and confess your sin, and you make teshuva with Yeshua. The mikvah's ready. You can be immersed today. Hear him. Call him. Call on his name now. He's near. He's ready. He's knocking at the door, and he's ready to do that, okay? That's some of you who need that. Some of you here today, you just need a teshuva, teshuva checkup, okay? It's like your little doctor checkup, okay? We're tapping your knees here. We're making sure things are going well. Here, we're checking your heart, seeing where it's at. You just need to maybe take some time. Maybe you've wandered straight a little bit. Take some time to pray. This is, this is a really good season, Okay, to really focus, be introspective, pray, meditate upon the word, seek him out. Say, God, reveal into me, reveal that sin in my life. Search my heart, O oh God, like the psalmist says. Search my heart. Reveal these things to me. Then you don't, when he does that, then you need to confess. This is the steps of teshuva. You've got to confess them to God. Confess them to one another. Okay? You're going to go to them. You might need to make restitution with another person. You might need, you're going to need to go to God okay? and do this. And, and, and this is my last reminder, and then I'll be done. Okay? When someone does this to you, let's not make it hard for them. Make it easy for someone else to make teshuva with you. Be quick to forgive, knowing how much you are forgiven. Like, don't be like, yeah, I'm not ready to talk to you yet. No, no. If they are coming to you in humility, make it easy for them, okay? Extend them the grace. Extend them the mercy that God has given to you. Amen? All right.